Association. She's a founder of the Genesis Medical Group and also founding director and president of Genesis Cooperative Incorporated, a business and employment co-op. So who am I talking about? I'm talking about Dr. Jenkins, Dr. Jenkins, Lakeisha Jenkins. Thank you so much for being on a podcast today. Of course, Montel. Thank you so much for having me. The honor and pleasure is all mine. Absolutely. You know, I've, I've started this podcast to see if I could help people understand, you know, the ins and outs, pitfalls, get them as much information as I could as individuals try their best to navigate the cannabis landscape. You know, every in this country now today, we have 34 states plus the District of Columbia that has some form of medical or adult use cannabis law, or even in some cases, just laws that actually have lessened the criminalization of cannabis, but after we've done this, we really haven't given people a lot of information to make good choices when they walk into some of the collectives, some of the dispensaries, and try to see if they can navigate the space. So I thank you so much for being here. And with your background, it's incredible that we have an opportunity to really now tell our listeners, you know, from a medical standpoint, you're a herbalist and a naturopath. Why don't you explain what a naturopath is to people so they understand? Sure. Um, so as a traditional naturopath, I believe that there's one illness, and that's the absence of health, whatever that means, you know, for, for any individual. It means that your body's not in homeostasis or balance. So homeostasis is like the optimal um, working condition of the human body. It's balance in the system. And if your body's not in balance, my job is to get you back into balance. I do that by utilizing herbs as the basis of nutrition to combat the symptoms of chronic degenerative and terminal illness. My registration as a uh, um, registered herbalist with the American Herbalist Guild means that I can prepare and dispense botanical materia medica in a way that's generally recognized as safe. And this is something that you've learned in your youth, is that not right? Yeah, you know, the funny thing is, is my grandfather, um, I was born in Mississippi, and he can go out into the woods in Mississippi and pick every shrub and berry, tell you what it's for, and put together some concoction that will, like, help to address whatever symptoms you're having. And he did that for our family and for the neighborhood for as long as I can remember. And I think most people who are listening in have to understand that prior to, you know, the advent of Big Pharma, and pharmaceuticals actually, you know, being dispensed in the, the country and having a governing body that oversaw <clears throat> corporations who were using synthetic and chemicals to come up with medicines that mimic, you know, plant-based medicines. You know, almost every community around the country had a herbalist or a, a naturopath like yourself, correct? Absolutely. And I think what most people don't understand are most pharmaceuticals 
are derived from botanicals. At least the basis for the pharmaceutical, if it's not directly derived from a botanical, when they put it into production or into manufacturing, it's synthesized to mimic that botanical. But either way, the basis of all pharmaceuticals come from, comes from botanicals. And I think that's a part of history and knowledge that's just sort of missing from the general population. Yeah, I mean, most people don't even understand is that, you know, the, the one of the greatest breakthroughs of the last century and in medicine were considered one of the greatest breakthroughs is the fact that, you know, a company stepped up and figured out how to process willow bark and put it into little tablets rather than have people use and, and boil willow bark in their kitchen. And part of it was out of necessity because if you go back to the turn of the century, you know, in 1900, 1880, 1891 to 99, you had people dropping dead all over America in their kitchens because they would boil willow bark, drink too much yeah. of it, and basically bleed out. And so Absolutely. a company stepped up, some people called Bear Aspirin stepped up, and they figured out a way to be able to take bad liquid turn it into a, a dehydrated, take the liquid, the water out of it, turn it into a little pill, and then administer it in a way that was at least safer than individuals trying to be their own doctors in their own kitchens. But we still recognize one thing about that plant, that's the willow tree, is that yeah. I don't think it was until, what, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, that it was ever really categorized as a pharmaceutical, you know, as one, yeah. of, the, one of the only unlisted one of the most deadly drugs on the planet, and never had uh, was not a schedule. It wasn't even a scheduled drug until about ten years ago, um, yeah. and most people absolutely. don't recognize that. No, absolutely, Montel, and I think maybe. I think maybe you might be a master herbalist because there's not a lot of people that actually know that information. And yes, um, you know, white willow bark, it is really herbal aspirin. It is really a vasodilator. And absolutely, you will bleed out if you take too much of it. And that's, that's, that's common, you know, with a lot of botanicals and with a lot of herbs. If you don't know what you're doing, you know, they can be dangerous. In general, they are benign. Most of them are benign. But there are some such as that one, you know, such as mandrake, such as lobelia, you know, there's serious consequences when you're taking these botanicals and you don't know what to do with them. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things I think I might throw in right now at this moment is the fact that most people aren't paying attention to the destruction of the rainforest in South America right now. And, you know, we know for a fact that probably 90% of all, you know, plant-based medicines have come out of the rainforest. Yet we sit back and watch the rainforest burn to the point mm -hmm. now it's burning at a rate that has never been seen before. And, you know, we could be, I, I believe in the, you know, everybody thinks that Albert Einstein was one of the greatest minds in the history of this planet. Well, he said for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction. As we mm -hmm. destroy the rainforest, we destroy potential cures for illnesses that we have not even discovered yet. Absolutely, absolutely and positively. And that's one of the reasons that, you know, I'm actually in Jamaica now is because it, in my office in California, I have over 500 varieties of medicinal, culinary, and spiritual herbs. When I moved to Jamaica or when I went there on a visit for the first time, there are like 80 varieties of herbs that are just indigenous to only Jamaica, right. and I had never heard of them. So if you could imagine on a small island like Jamaica, if there's 80 varieties of herbs that I'd never even heard of, what treasures lie 
in the rainforest, the vast rainforest. And you're right, we're destroying them. And we don't know, you know, we don't really realize the consequences of, of what we're doing. Uh, and then when we when you're being in Jamaica, in Jamaica, I think what the world knows is, has been known for ganja for yeah. now most modern time. But um, well, let's let's talk a little bit about what brought you into the understanding of and researching cannabis as one of those herbs that could have an healing effect. So, what well, actually it was um, in 2002, my oldest daughter was diagnosed with two different types of brain tumor, um, right. and. It was, you know, you can imagine when your eight-year-old, yeah, is diagnosed with a brain tumor, like you really don't, you don't know what to do. Well, for me, you know, I'm, I'm that type of person that's like a researcher. I always dig into research. So I'm trying to find out feverishly what's going on. When I find out that the type of tumor she had had only been seen like four other times in the brain prior, you know, to her diagnoses. And then when I find out that the treatment protocol that they want to give her for this reason is from a different type of brain tumor, well, that's where I had to stand up and say, "I I don't think that that's right. And that's where I became keenly aware of the fact that in the allopathic or conventional medical system, the way that it works is you group symptoms. And the way you group those symptoms, you give it a disease diagnosis as a title. And then from that disease diagnosis, you come up with a treatment protocol. There's no room for individuality. There's nothing outside of that. It's symptoms, disease diagnosis, and protocol. And when I questioned whether the protocol was right for her, since it's from a different brain tumor, well, the state of California stepped in and told me that she's a minor. And that if I didn't give her the chemotherapy and radiation treatment regimen that they were recommending, that I'd be considered a threat to my child and my parental rights would be taken away. And regardless, she was having that treatment, whether I liked it or not. Now, you know, isn't, isn't it amazing that we, it just completely blows my mind that when it comes to any other medical protocol, you know, it's almost as if. The government says that you have no right as a parent. If you're not the individual that's ill, you have no right to participate in that conversation. Yet the second you as a doctor were to recommend, let's say, cannabis, then everybody and their mother has some (laughs) form of comment to make about your recommendation. It's like, Absolutely. I'm, I'm going to let you in the conversation because you said cannabis. But if you didn't say that, if you said, let me, you know, I, I, and, and God bless you. And I'm so sorry that you had, you and your family went through that with your daughter. You know, I understand it, you know, firsthand. I mean, I, I uh, watched my second oldest daughter uh, survive, and um, blessedly she did survive, you know, two rounds of lymphoma. Uh, yeah. The first time she got it, you know, they they did the standard at, at that time was one of the standard procedures. And I thought my daughter saw one of the top doctors in the world, the doctor who actually wrote the protocol for lymphoma. He's actually written the brand new protocol for lymphoma. And yeah. it's the one that everybody is following these days. Well, the first protocol, you know, she went through it for, for two months and, and ended it and and. You know, everybody came through and said, oh, she's cured, she's fine, she's cured, she's fine. She went home, and three months later, it came back with a vengeance. And when it came back with a vengeance, they had to do a second protocol. That second protocol, I sat in the office. You know, my daughter was older than yours. My daughter was 25 at the time. 
because of the Affordable Care Act, she was on my health care program, my health care uh, policy. So I was able to, you know, my insurance policy, I was able to sit in the room when the doctor had this conversation. But I sat here and listened to a man basically tell my daughter, we're going to burn you from the inside out. And then once I burn you from the inside out, we're going to do a stem cell transplant, and then hopefully that'll take. And, you know, matter of fact, we're going to harvest your ovaries. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to do this. And I, I literally almost piped up, and he looked at me as if to say, shut up. You don't have a right, right. to say a word. It's her and me, not you. Okay? Cool. Right. So then, you know, once she went through that protocol, I wanted her to get back on a CBD regimen as quickly as possible and in a cannabis regimen. But then everybody and their mother had something to say. As of if course. you got to, like, what? You know, of well, course. Sorry. Yeah. No, that, that's the way that it is. And the funny thing is, is people don't understand, you know, while they're voicing their opinion, what they should be doing is researching and understanding that every mammalian species and some invertebrates have an endogenous cannabinoid system. Those same chemical compounds that they're so worried about, our brain produces naturally as endocannabinoids right. so and if they did understand. just a little research and figured that out they wouldn't have such a strong negative opinion against it because they would recognize that phytocannabinoid supplementation through cannabis and hemp is actually a nutritional necessity and you know well, i'm sorry i just do this for you but you know for those who are listening and tuned in you know dr Jenkins just said an endogenous endocannabinoid system. And I know several of you went and said, what the devil does that mean? And is what are you, what is she saying? And what she's saying is that you were born with a system. You've never used cannabis in your entire life. I can figure out a way to identify in your body some things that are called endocannabinoids. And these endocannabinoids are two chemicals that your body makes without having consumed any cannabis at all. As a matter of fact, your body is sitting back waiting to be stimulated by the molecule that's created in plants that mimics the endocannabinoids that you have in your body. Am I right? Absolutely and positively. And let's just take it down to the, to the botanical science of cacao or chocolate. The thing right. that everyone is, loves so very much and, you know, even people claim to be addicted to. Well, anandamide is an Correct. endocannabinoid that our brain produces naturally, but that's also found in chocolate. So the reason that people love to consume chocolate is not necessarily because they're addicted to it. It's because they're suffering from an endogenous cannabinoid system deficiency. Their body knows that it can get that endocannabinoid through chocolate, and so they crave it feverishly. And if we understand, let's go back to what you said earlier about the fact that you're trying, the body is trying its best. The body is trying to be in a, homeo, in a good homeostatic position. It's trying mm -hmm. to be balanced. But because we deprive it of so many things and have, especially in this last century, started depriving our bodies from the things that nature gave us to keep us in balance, the body then gets out of whack. And when it gets out of whack, the cells start producing chemicals that are really deleterious or really very harmful to us rather than the chemicals that we need to keep everything flowing naturally. And so, you know, when we consume cannabis, if you think back on this, a lot of people who are listening in don't understand, they don't understand this at all, is that America and mankind for really the last 5,000 years, 3,000 years BC, have been consuming hemp. Mm -hmm. in a medicinal mm -hmm. form. And then mm -hmm. in really the last 500 years, we consumed hemp when, when America was discovered 
it was discovered with ships that every single sail and every rope on those ships was made from a hemp fiber, and they probably had a big basket of hemp seeds in, on the ship that the sailors were eating because they were eating that as a protein source. We now know that, you know, hemp seeds are probably one of the, not if not the, but one of the highest protein source seeds on the planet. And so here in the United States of America, when this country was founded, people got up in the morning and ate a porridge full of hemp seeds. And they weren't walking around high. Because again, at the time, hemp seeds don't have, don't contain as contain as much THC, but they were eating it, and and they were literally what it, um, stimulating their endocannabinoid system. They didn't even know that, and we did this Absolutely. up until eight till nineteen thirty seven, and still today there are hemp seed cereal products in the marketplace. There's hemp seed protein in the marketplace, but very few people use it the way. We should be using it as part of our everyday balanced diet. Absolutely and positively. What people don't recognize is that hemp is actually a superfood. Contained in the hemp seed is every vitamin, mineral, amino acid, every constituent that's required nutritionally to sustain life is actually found in the hemp seed. And you're so right. Until about the last, you know, 80 years or so, hemp and cannabis were part of the pharmacopoeia, therapeutically and medicinally, and also a part of our diet. It's only been the last 80 years that when they were made illegal, that we weren't able to actually consume them on a regular basis. But it was commonplace in both medicine and nutrition to have both hemp and cannabis as a regularly occurring nutritional supplement in the human diet. Absolutely. And it should be included as part of that today, but we don't even have that as part of a discussion. You know, Mm -hmm. the only discussion that people are having right now is THC or CBD. And that's something I really wanted to talk to you about because, you know, you understand the, the chemical constituents of, you know, cannabinoids. And, you know, I, I, I was, was, was blessed in having the opportunity to have interviewed Dr. Raphael Meshulam in his Mm. laboratory in Israel nine years ago. And nine years ago when I spoke to him, he made the statement that he's made over and over and over again. Cannabinoids work in an entourage effect, meaning that you need to have all of them. And what most people don't understand is that up until about seven or eight years ago, uh, science had discovered about 66 different cannabinoids, but now mm-hmm. Canadian research is claiming that there's about 165 cannabinoids, mm-hmm. and we still don't even know what every individual one of them do, but we do know that they were created to work together, you know, in, in a in a orchestra kind of a way, you know, like, uh, you know, you can, you can play Beethoven uh, all day long with a full orchestra, but you take the the strings out, and it may sound like Beethoven, but it's not Beethoven. Absolutely. If you're playing it with, you know, horns, it ain't Beethoven. So the more Absolutely. and more you push the horn, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to stimulate your ear the way it should. It's the same thing with cannabinoids. Right now, we've gotten all caught up, Dr. Jenkins, in this idea of re-vilifying THC mm-hmm. and trying to say that the only virtue in the entire plant is something called CBD, but that's not true. No, 
No, it's not true because actually, unless you have trace amounts of THC um, available in whatever CBD supplement you're taking, it's not really bioavailable as it could be. It's not as efficacious as it could be because we have CB1 and CB2 receptors in the body, but without a little trace amount of THC, CBD can only speak to one of those receptors. And I think what people fail to realize is we're not at the point that we can isolate constituents. As you said, there were 66. Now, all of a sudden, there's a hundred, over 100 you know, cannabinoids that have been found. The fact of the matter is we have over 300 receptor sites in our body to interact with endocannabinoids that our brain produces naturally and phytocannabinoids that are found in the cannabis and hemp plant. We just don't know enough about it. And because of the federal status of the substance, research can't be done for us to find out enough about it. And we're honestly not at the point where we should be isolating any of those constituents. Whole plant medicine on a nutritional basis is what needs to happen. When you present the entire plant profile, not just the cannabinoids, but also the terpenoids and the flavonoids and the lipids, all of those together play synergistically with each other. And if we consume those nutritionally, our body gets a chance to choose which of those active constituents it needs at the time and discard the rest without consequence. And the funny thing about nutrition is what you need in the morning and what you need in the evening can be two completely different things. So really whole plant nutrition is the only way to intelligently approach phytocannabinoid supplementation. That sounds about as wonderful. So let's let's talk a little bit more about, you know, what you've seen the impact of a nutritional supplementation with cannabis is done or what you so, think and i know we can't make claims and that's not where we're attempting yeah, to do no but no but, but so what i can say is that the endogenous cannabinoid system or endocannabis cannabinoid system actually helps to induce homeostasis. We know it's a regulatory system. So it regulates things like cognitive function, sleep patterns, immune system response, inflammatory response, um, our cardiovascular system, so endocrine function, so our hormones. We know that it is a regulatory system. It regulates the pineal gland, serotonin, melatonin production, all of those things. What I know nutritionally is if you properly supplement that system, just like our body doesn't produce enough iron, it doesn't produce enough vitamins and minerals, um, magnesium, we get all the magnesium we get when we're born, we're supposed to get those nutrients through food. The same thing happens with phytocannabinoid supplementation for the endogenous cannabinoid system. If you're experiencing an imbalance, as I said before, as a traditional naturopath, there's one illness. And that's the absence of health, and that's because your body's not in homeostasis. So what I can say definitively is if you supplement the endogenous cannabinoid system nutritionally, you can help to bring back that balance or homeostasis to the system. And at the end of the day, as a naturopath, that's my job, to bring you back into balance so that you perform optimally. And that's basically body heal yourself. The body, yes. the body will, will be at its optimum performance capability. 
yes, to battle absolutely. things. Yeah, there you go. That's most people don't want to know. You you are a big proponent of microdosing and consuming yes. cannabis basically throughout the entire day, just like you had mentioned. You know the fact that you know there's there's a need in maybe in the morning when you wake up and a different need in the middle of the day when you you're in the midst of doing some of your most intense work. And then maybe a separate need in the evenings where to make sure that you get good restorative recuperative sleep. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? No, absolutely. And microdosing. So, you know, and, and it brings a good point around because, you know, when we're talking about people vilifying THC, so that's the, the cannabinoid that once it's you know, heated or decarboxylated or activated could actually excite psychoactivity in large amounts. If we're microdosing, even an active full plant medicine that contains THC, if we're taking small amounts over time, chances are it's not going to be in a high enough quantity that it's going to excite psychoactivity. But if we're consuming it over time nutritionally, it's going to be enough to supplement and support the endogenous cannabinoid system. When we eat anything, you know, our body consumes it, it digests it, and we discard it. The same thing with phytocannabinoid supplementation. If it's not in your body, if it's discarded, it's not active, and it's not helping you. So the only way that we can really get the full benefit is by consuming it on a regular basis. In general, and metabolism has a lot to do with it, but in general, when you consume a phytocannabinoid supplement, you'll get about four to six hours of maximum efficacy before it's out of your system. So if you're introducing it, you know, to three times a day, depending on your metabolism, you're sufficiently supporting your endogenous cannabinoid system. And if you're taking it in small enough amounts, you can rest assured that you don't have to worry about exciting psychoactivity if you're microdosing. And you're, that microdosing was between 10, for you, is 15 to 25 milligrams per, per? 15 to 25 milligrams is what I suggest as a sufficient microdose for adults. That would change, you know, for children for supplementation. But yes, for adults, it's about 15 to 25 milligrams two to three times a day is what I found has been beneficial for the patients that I work with. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about some of the some of the work that you are doing. You started something called the Kiona Foundation. Can you explain what they do? Yeah, so that is actually started in my daughter's honor. Uh, what we do is we provide financial and in kind assistance for cancer survivors. But even more importantly, because the rates of cancer diagnoses makes it ineffective for us to just be that organization that helps to provide financial assistance. We're a holistic health organization that helps to educate you on ways that you can take a proactive approach to your health through advocacy, support services, and education so you don't go down the road of chronic, degenerative, and terminal illness. But if you do, we can educate you, support you, and give you resources to help bring your body back to homeostasis. And through our organization, since we're a 501c3, we can provide that at low to no cost to those people who qualify. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. And then you've also, you're working with, is it called the Genesis Corporation? Yes, the Genesis Genesis, Genesis Cooperative Incorporated. So what we do through Genesis is we actually help to develop 
new and emerging and emerging enterprises, mostly based in the agricultural industry. So uh, nutrition is the cornerstone of health. Agriculture is where it starts with nutrition. And even when you think about cannabis and hemp, that's just another agricultural commodity to us. So what we do is make sure that we're building a robust agricultural system in whatever place that we're located focused on healthy fruits, vegetables, medicinal herbs, and also phytocannabinoids and nutraceuticals based off cannabis and hemp. And you, that, uh, that company is, is based out of Jamaica? So we're based in the United States, in okay. Indiana, California, and Florida, and we're also based internationally in Jamaica. Okay. And people can come down. Now, you started, it's not an institute, but something similar to an institute. People can visit you in Jamaica and go through a tutorial, correct? Absolutely and positively. So there's two paths that you can go down. We have an educational path that you can go down. It's an endogenous cannabinoid system certification. So you can come and learn all these fancy and complicated terms that we're talking about, the way that endocannabinoids and the endogenous cannabinoid system work, and actually get a certification in that. You know, whether you are, and it's open to everybody, practitioners, um, community members, you know, community health officers, who Whoever you are is welcome for the program. And then we have another arm that if you're looking to address the symptoms for a specific condition, you can actually come to Jamaica, participate in our medical and wellness tourism program, have an actual regimen put together for you based all on nutrition with a firm foundation in endogenous cannabinoid system balancing, and we can help you obtain, maintain, or regain that optimal health or homeostasis in the system. Why don't you give out the, the, the website so people know where to reach out and probably get more information on that? So the best way to reach out would be at the Dr. Lakeisha website. So it's super easy. It's D-R-L-A-K-I. S-H-A. My name, just the way it sounds. DrLakeisha.com. Yeah. And there's links to Genesis, to the Genesis um, website, and to our medical tourism programs, to our educational programs are all found there. You've also been working with an organization or a company that's called Canamark USA, correct? And I know yes. that uh, Redman has been working with them too, right? Absolutely. And that, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, while well, these people hear about CBD and CBD products and phytocannabinoid supplementation, it's really important that you get your products from a very reputable source. What Canamark USA does is it uses a QR code that stores seed-to-sale information, recommended dose information, batch information on all of those products so that you can guarantee that your CBD or other phytocannabinoid supplement, number one, doesn't contain anything that you don't want, like heavy metals, mycotoxins, pesticides, herbicides, those types of things, but also gives you recommendations on how to take that supplement and make it most optimal for you. And we're so happy to work with Redman because he has that same sentiment towards the real therapeutic and mindful 
education when it comes to phytocannabinoid supplementation. So you should really look for um, some great things coming down the line um, from Canamark USA and Redman personally, actually. And I'm so happy to work with, with that organization and with Redman. Yeah, you know, Doctor, it's been really crazy. I mean, I, I've been been working in and around, you know, the cannabis industry now for almost 20 years. And I remember, you know, when I stepped out back in 2000, 2001, met with such vehement resistance from people who right now today act like this has been their favorite quest for their whole life. And we know that they lie. You have got to be faced with just an inordinate amount of pushback from the regular medical community, are you not? Oh, absolutely and positively. And especially when I'm one of those, you know, practitioners that really shy. I don't prescribe medication ever. That is that is my personal choice. I, I work very closely with physicians who do because I think that definitely pharmaceuticals have their place and they are important. But I do get a lot of pushback because for me, I think that health is based in nutrition. And honestly, the conventional doctors aren't trained to think that way. They're trained to treat your symptoms using pharmaceuticals. So when I present this argument that, hey, maybe there's a way that we don't have to go down the pharmaceutical road if we actually give our body those constituents that are required to sustain life, those vitamins, minerals, amino acids in the appropriate doses can bring homeostasis and our body can and will repair itself. Well, you can imagine that's not a very popular opinion among no, no, most of the medical community, absolutely. not at all. <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I cannot thank you enough, Dr. Jenkins, for being a participant on Let's Be Blunt with Martel. And, you know, again, what I've been trying to do is provide just this kind of information to my listeners so that they can help navigate, you know, this very, it's a tough landscape out there. I mean, because, you know, you walk into a dispensary and you might see one kind of gummy or you might see one other kind of edible. You might see something that, you know, some person who has no knowledge behind a counter is trying to push on you because he had a sales rep in the day before. And mm -hmm. I want to be able to try my best to, to give you know, the consumer the education that they need to be able to make some good choices for themselves. So we'd love to have you back again on Let's Be Blood in a future day. And I don't want to keep taking up a lot of your time, but if you can, can spare me a little bit in the future, I'd love to be able to call you back. Is that okay? Absolutely. And I want to tell you, thank you so much, Montel, for being that person and being that voice. With the platform and the reach that you have, that's exactly what we need to reach the masses. And I have to say, at the beginning of this call, you said something that was so important to me. You said that this is available in a lot of states that have a medical or an adult use law. Thank you for using that word, adult use and not the other word, because Absolutely. everyone should be supplementing their endogenous cannabinoid system and all cannabis or hemp use is nutritional and therapeutic. So thank you. And I would love Amen. to be back anytime. We're definitely going to give you a call. And for all of you out there, I can't say thank you enough for tuning in. Make sure you, you know, uh, write me an evaluation. If you like us, you know, send in a couple of tips. If there's somebody you want me to talk to, make sure you let me know. And I can't say enough, but thank you for tuning in to this edition of Let's Be Brought with Mark.
traditional naturopath, a registered herbalist, teacher of holistic medicine, founding member of and the first elected president of the California Cannabis Industry Association. She's a founder of the Genesis Medical Group and also founding director and president of Genesis Cooperative Incorporated, a business and employment co-op. So who am I talking about? I'm talking about Dr. Jenkins, Dr. Jenkins, Lakeisha Jenkins, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Of course, Montel. Thank you so much for having me. The honor and pleasure is all mine. Absolutely. You know, I've, I've started this podcast to see if I could help people understand, you know, the ins and outs, pitfalls, get them as much information as I could as individuals try their best to navigate the cannabis landscape. You know, every in this country now today, we have 34 states plus the District of Columbia that has some form of medical or adult use cannabis law, or even in some cases, just laws that actually have lessened the criminalization of cannabis. But after we've done this, we really haven't given people a lot of information to make good choices when they walk into some of the collectives, some of the dispensaries, and try to see if they can navigate the space. So I thank you so much for being here. And with your background, it's incredible that we have an opportunity to really now tell our listeners, you know, from a medical standpoint, you're a herbalist and a naturopath. Why don't you explain what a naturopath is to people so they understand? Sure. Um, so as a traditional naturopath, naturopath, I believe that there's one illness, and that's the absence of health, whatever that means, you know, for, for any individual. It means that your body's not in homeostasis or balance. So homeostasis is like the optimal um, working condition of the human body. It's balance in the system. And if your body's not in balance, my job is to get you back into balance. I do that by utilizing herbs as the basis of nutrition to combat the symptoms of chronic degenerative and terminal illness. My registration as a uh, um, registered herbalist with the American Herbalist Guild means that I can prepare and dispense botanical materia medica in a way that's generally recognized as safe. And this is something that you've learned in your youth, is that not right? Yeah, you know, the funny thing is, is my grandfather, um, I was born in Mississippi, and he can go out into the woods in Mississippi and pick every shrub and berry, tell you what it's for, and put together some concoction that will, like, help to address whatever symptoms you're having. And he did that for our family and for the neighborhood for as long as I can remember. And I think most people who are listening in have to understand that prior to, you know, the advent of Big Pharma, and pharmaceuticals actually, you know, being dispensed in the, the country and having a governing body that oversaw <clears throat> corporations who were using synthetic and chemicals to come up with medicines that mimic, you know, plant-based medicines. You know, almost every community around the country had a herbalist or a, a naturopath like yourself, correct? Absolutely. And I think what most people don't understand are most pharmaceuticals are derived from botanicals, at least the basis for the pharmaceutical. If it's not directly derived from a botanical, when they put it into production or into manufacturing, it's synthesized to mimic that botanical. But either way, the basis 
of all pharmaceuticals come for, comes from botanicals. And I think that's a part of history and knowledge that's just sort of missing from the general population. Yeah, I mean, most people don't even understand is that, you know, the, the one of the greatest breakthroughs of the last century and in medicine was considered one of the greatest breakthroughs is the fact that, you know, a company stepped up and figured out how to process willow bark and put it into little tablets. <laughs> rather than have people use and, and boil willow bark in their kitchen. And part of it was out of necessity because if you go back to the turn of the century, you know, in 1900, 1880, 1891 to 99, you had people dropping dead all over America in their kitchens because they would boil willow bark, drink too much yeah. of it, and basically bleed out. And so Absolutely. a company stepped up. <laughs> Some people called bare aspirin stepped up, and they figured out a way to be able to take bad liquid turn it into a dehydrated, take the liquid, the water out of it, turn it into a little pill, and then administer it in a way that was at least safer than individuals trying to be their own doctors in their own kitchens. But we still recognize one thing about that plant, that's the willow tree, is that mm -hmm. I don't think it was until, what, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, that it was ever really categorized as a pharmaceutical, you know, as one, yes. of, the, one of the only unlisted one of the most deadly drugs on the planet, and never had uh, was not a schedule. It wasn't even a scheduled drug until about ten years ago, um, yeah. and most people absolutely. don't recognize that. No, absolutely, Montel, and I think maybe I think maybe you might be a master herbalist because there's not a lot of people <laughs> that actually know that information. And yes, um, you know, white willow bark it is really herbal aspirin. It is really a vasodilator, and absolutely, you will bleed out if you take too much of it. And that's 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 common, you know, with a lot of botanicals and with a lot of herbs. If you don't know what you're doing, you know, they can be dangerous. In general, they are benign. Most of them are benign, but there are some such as that one, you know, such as mandrake, such as lobelia, you know, there's serious consequences when you're taking these botanicals and you don't know what to do with them. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things I think I might throw in right now at this moment is the fact that most people aren't paying attention to the destruction of the rainforest in South America right now. And, you know, we know for a fact that probably 90% of all, you know, plant-based medicines have come out of the rainforest. Yet we sit back and watch the rainforest burn to the point mm -hmm. now it's burning at a rate that has never been seen before. And, you know, we could be, I, I believe in the, you know, everybody thinks that Albert Einstein was one of the greatest minds in the history of this planet. Well, he said for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. As we mm -hmm. destroy the rainforest, we destroy potential cures for illnesses that we have not even discovered yet. Absolutely, absolutely and positively. And that's one of the reasons that, you know, I'm actually in Jamaica now is because it, in my office in California, I have over 500 varieties of medicinal, culinary, and spiritual herbs. When I moved to Jamaica or when I went there on a visit for the first time, there are like 80 varieties of herbs that are just indigenous to only Jamaica, and I had never heard of them. So if you could imagine on a small island like Jamaica, if there's 80 varieties of herbs that I'd never even heard of, what treasures lie in the rainforest, the vast rainforest? And you're right, we're destroying them and we don't know, you know, we don't really realize the consequences of, of what we're doing. Uh, and then when, we, when you're being in Jamaica, in Jamaica, I think what the world knows is, has been known for ganja, for yeah. 
now most modern time. But um, well, let's let's talk a little bit about what brought you into the understanding of and researching cannabis as one of those herbs that could have an healing, healing effect. So what, actually, it was um, in 2002, my oldest daughter was diagnosed with two different types of brain tumor. Um, and it was, you know, you can imagine when your eight-year-old, yeah, is diagnosed with a brain tumor, like you really don't, you don't know what to do. Well, for me, you know, I'm I'm that type of person that's like a researcher. I always dig into research. So I'm trying to find out feverishly what's going on. When I find out that the type of tumor she had had only been seen like four other times in the brain prior, wow. you know, to her diagnoses. Yes. And then when I find out that the treatment protocol that they want to give her for this reason is from a different type of brain tumor, well, that's where I had to stand up and say, I, I don't think that that's right. And that's where I became keenly aware of the fact that in the allopathic or conventional medical system, the way that it works is you group symptoms. And the way you group those symptoms, you give it the disease diagnosis as a title. And then from that disease diagnosis, you come up with a treatment protocol. There's no room for individuality. There's nothing outside of that. It's symptoms, disease diagnosis, and protocol. And when I questioned whether the protocol was right for her since it's from a different brain tumor. Well, the state of California stepped in and told me that she's a minor and that if I didn't give her the chemotherapy and radiation treatment regimen that they were recommending, that I'd be considered a threat to my child and my parental rights would be taken away. And regardless, she was having that treatment whether I liked it or not. Now, you know, isn't, isn't it amazing that we, it just completely blows my mind that. When it comes to any other medical protocol, you know, it's almost as if the government says that you have no right as a parent. If you're not the individual right. that's ill, you have no right to participate in that conversation. Yet no. the second you as a doctor were to recommend, let's say, cannabis, then everybody and their mother has some <laughs> form of comment to make about your recommendation. It's like, Absolutely. I'm, I'm going to let you in the conversation because you said cannabis. But if you didn't say that, if you said, let me, you know, I, I, and, and God bless you. And I'm so sorry that you had, you and your family went through that with your daughter. You know, I understand it, you know, firsthand. I mean, I, I uh, watched my second oldest daughter uh, survive, and um, blessedly she did survive, you know, two rounds of lymphoma. Uh, yeah. The first time she got it, you know, they they did the standard at, at that time was one of the standard procedures. And my my daughter saw one of the top doctors in the world, the doctor who actually wrote the protocol for lymphoma. He's actually written the brand new protocol for lymphoma, and yeah. it's the one that everybody is following these days. Well, the first protocol, you know, she went through it for, for two months and and ended it and and. You know, everybody came through and said, oh, she's cured, she's fine, she's cured, she's fine. She went home, and three months later, it came back with a vengeance. And when it came back with a vengeance, they had to do a second protocol. Well, that second protocol, I sat in the office. You know, my daughter was older than yours. My daughter was 25 at the time. But because of the Affordable Care Act, she was on my health care program, my health care uh, policy. So I was able to, you know, my insurance policy, I was able to sit in a room when the doctor had this conversation. But I sat here and listened to a man basically tell my daughter, we're going to burn you from the inside out. 
And then once I burn you from the inside out, we're going to do a stem cell transplant. And then hopefully that'll take. And, you know, matter of fact, we're going to harvest your ovaries. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to do this. And I, I literally almost piped up. And he looked at me as if to say, shut up. You don't have a right, right. to say a word. It's her and me, not you. Okay, cool. Right. So then, you know, once she went through that protocol, I wanted her to get back on a CBD regimen as quickly as possible and in a cannabis regimen. But then everybody and their mother had something to say. As of if course. you got to, like, what? You know, well, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, that, that's the way that it is. And the funny thing is, is people don't understand, you know, while they're voicing their opinion, what they should be doing is researching and understanding that every mammalian species and some invertebrates have an endogenous cannabinoid system. Those same chemical compounds that they're so worried about, our brain produces naturally as endocannabinoids. Right. So and if they did understand. just a little research and figured that out, they wouldn't have such a strong negative opinion against it because they would recognize that phytocannabinoid supplementation through cannabis and hemp is actually a nutritional necessity. And, you know, well, I'm sorry if I just do this for you, but, you know, for those who are listening and tuned in, you know, Dr. Jenkins just said an endogenous endocannabinoid system. And I know several of you once said, what the devil does that mean? And Donna is, what are you, what is she saying? And what she's saying is that you were born with a system. You've never used cannabis in your entire life. I can figure out a way to identify in your body some things that are called endocannabinoids. And these endocannabinoids are two chemicals that your body makes without having consumed any cannabis at all. As a matter of fact, your body is sitting back waiting to be stimulated by the molecule that's created in plants that mimics the endocannabinoids that you have in your body. Am I right? Absolutely and positively. And let's just take it down to the, to the botanical science of cacao or chocolate. The thing right. that everyone is, loves so very much and, you know, even people claim to be addicted to. Well, anandamide is an Correct. endocannabinoid that our brain produces naturally, but that's also found in chocolate. So the reason that people love to consume chocolate is not necessarily because they're addicted to it. It's because they're suffering from an endogenous cannabinoid system deficiency. Their body knows that it can get that endocannabinoid through chocolate, and so they crave it feverishly. And if we understand, let's go back to what you said earlier about the fact that you're trying, the body is trying its best. The body is trying to be in a, homeo, in a good homeostatic position. It's trying mm -hmm. to be balanced. But because we deprive it of so many things and have, especially in this last century, started depriving our bodies from the things that nature gave us to keep us in balance, the body then gets out of whack. And when it gets out of whack, the cells start producing chemicals that are really deleterious or really very harmful to us rather than the chemicals that we need to keep everything flowing naturally. And so, you know, when we consume cannabis, if you think back on this, a lot of people who are listening in don't understand, they don't understand this at all, is that America and mankind for really the last 5,000 years, 3,000 years BC, have been consuming hemp mm -hmm. in a medicinal mm -hmm. form. And then mm -hmm. in really the last 500 years, we consumed hemp. When, when America was discovered, it was discovered with ships that every single sail and every rope on those ships was made from a hemp fiber. And they probably had a big basket of hemp seeds in, on the ship that the sailors were eating. Mm -hmm. 
because they were eating that as a protein source. We now know that, you know, hemp seeds are probably one of the, if not the, but one of the highest protein source seeds on the planet. And so here in the United States of America, when this country was founded, people got up in the morning and ate a porridge full of hemp seeds. And they weren't walking around high. Because again, at the time, hemp seeds don't don't contain as contain as much THC, but they were eating it, and and they were literally what it, um, stimulating their endocannabinoid system. They didn't even know that, and we did this Absolutely. up until eight till nineteen thirty seven, and still today there are hemp seed cereal products in the marketplace. There's hemp seed protein in the marketplace, but very few people use it the way. We should be using it as part of our everyday balanced diet. Absolutely and positively. What people don't recognize is that hemp is actually a superfood. Contained in the hemp seed is every vitamin, mineral, amino acid, every constituent that's required nutritionally to sustain life is actually found in the hemp seed. And you're so right. Until about the last, you know, 80 years or so, hemp and cannabis were part of the pharmacopoeia, therapeutically and medicinally, and also a part of our diet. It's only been the last 80 years that when they were made illegal, that we weren't able to actually consume them on a regular basis. But it was commonplace in both medicine and nutrition to have both hemp and cannabis as a regularly occurring nutritional supplement in the human diet. Absolutely. And it should be included as part of that today, but we don't even have that as part of a discussion. You know, Mm -hmm. the only discussion that people are having right now is THC or CBD. And that's something I really want to talk to you about because, you know, you understand the, the chemical constituents of, you know, cannabinoids. And, you know, I, I, I was, was, was blessed in having the opportunity to have interviewed Dr. Raphael Meshulam in his Mm. laboratory in Israel nine years ago. And nine years ago when I spoke to him, he made the statement that he's made over and over and over again. Cannabinoids work in an entourage effect, meaning that you need to have all of them. What most people don't understand is that up until about seven or eight years ago, uh, science had discovered about 66 different cannabinoids, but now Mm -hmm. Canadian research is claiming that there's about 165 cannabinoids. Mm -hmm. And we still don't even know what every individual one of them do, but we do know that they were created to work together, you know, in a, in a orchestra kind of a way, you know, like, uh, you know, you can, you can play Beethoven uh, all day long with a full orchestra, but you take the, the strings out and it may sound like Beethoven, but it's not Beethoven. If you're playing it with, you know, horns, it ain't Beethoven. So more and more you push the horn, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to stimulate your ear the way it should. It's the same thing with cannabinoids. Right now, we've gotten all caught up, Dr. Jenkins, in this idea of re-vilifying THC Mm -hmm. and trying to say that the only virtue in the entire plant is something called CBD. But that's not true. No. No, it's not true because actually, unless you have trace amounts of THC um, available in whatever CBD supplement you're taking, it's not really bioavailable as it could be. It's not as efficacious as it could be because we have CB1 and CB2 receptors in the body, but without a little trace amount of THC, 
CBD can only speak to one of those receptors. And I think what people fail to realize is we're not at the point that we can isolate constituents. As you said, there were 66. Now, all of a sudden, there's a hundred, over 100 you know, cannabinoids that have been found. The fact of the matter is we have over 300 receptor sites in our body to interact with endocannabinoids that our brain produces naturally and phytocannabinoids that are found in the cannabis and hemp plant. We just don't know enough about it. And because of the federal status of the substance, research can't be done for us to find out enough about it. And we're honestly not at the point where we should be isolating any of those constituents. Whole plant medicine on a nutritional basis is what needs to happen. When you present the entire plant profile, not just the cannabinoids, but also the terpenoids and the flavonoids and the lipids, all of those together play synergistically with each other. And if we consume those nutritionally, our body gets a chance to choose which of those active constituents it needs at the time and discard the rest without consequence. And the funny thing about nutrition is what you need in the morning and what you need in the evening can be two completely different things. So really whole plant nutrition is the only way to intelligently approach phytocannabinoid supplementation. That sounds about as wonderful. So let's let's talk a little bit more about, you know, what you've seen the impact of a nutritional supplementation with cannabis is done or what you so, think and i know we can't make claims and that's not where we're attempting yeah, to do no but no but, but so what i can say is that the endogenous cannabinoid system or endocannabis cannabinoid system actually helps to induce homeostasis we know it's a regulatory system so it regulates things like cognitive function sleep patterns immune system response inflammatory response um, our cardiovascular system so endocrine functions so our hormones we know that it is a regulatory system it regulates the pineal gland serotonin melatonin production all of those things what I know nutritionally is if you properly supplement that system, just like our body doesn't produce enough iron, it doesn't produce enough vitamins and minerals, um, magnesium, we get all the magnesium we get when we're born, we're supposed to get those nutrients through food. The same thing happens with phytocannabinoid supplementation for the endogenous cannabinoid system. If you're experiencing an imbalance, as I said before, as a traditional naturopath, there's one illness. And that's the absence of health, and that's because your body's not in homeostasis. So what I can say definitively is if you supplement the endogenous cannabinoid system nutritionally, you can help to bring back that balance or homeostasis to the system. And at the end of the day, as a naturopath, that's my job, to bring you back into balance so that you perform optimally. And that's basically body heal yourself. The body, yes. the body will, will be at its optimum performance capability Yes, to battle Absolutely. things. Yeah, there you go. That's, most people don't want to know. You, you are a big proponent of microdosing and consuming yes. cannabis basically throughout the entire day, just like you had mentioned, you know, the fact that, you know, there is, there's a need in maybe in the morning when you wake up and a different need in the middle of the day when you've, you're in the midst of doing some of your most intense work. 
and then maybe a separate need in the evenings where, to make sure that you get good restorative recuperative sleep. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? No, absolutely. And microdosing. So, you know, and, and it brings a good point around because, you know, when we're talking about people vilifying THC, so that's the, the cannabinoid that once it's you know, heated or decarboxylated or activated could actually excite psychoactivity in large amounts. If we're microdosing, even an active full plant medicine that contains THC, if we're taking small amounts over time, chances are it's not going to be in a high enough quantity that it's going to excite psychoactivity. But if we're consuming it over time nutritionally, it's going to be enough to supplement and support the endogenous cannabinoid system. When we eat anything, you know, our body consumes it, it digests it, and we discard it. The same thing with phytocannabinoid supplementation. If it's not in your body, if it's discarded, it's not active, and it's not helping you. So the only way that we can really get the full benefit is by consuming it on a regular basis. In general, and metabolism has a lot to do with it, but in general, when you consume a phytocannabinoid supplement, you'll get about four to six hours of maximum efficacy before it's out of your system. So if you're introducing it, you know, to three times a day, depending on your metabolism, you're sufficiently supporting your endogenous cannabinoid system. And if you're taking it in small enough amounts, you can rest assured that you don't have to worry about exciting psychoactivity if you're microdosing. And your, that microdosing was between 10, for you, is 15 to 25 milligrams per, per? 15 to 25 milligrams is what I suggest as a sufficient microdose for adults. That would change, you know, for children for supplementation. But yes, for adults, it's about 15 to 25 milligrams two to three times a day is what I found has been beneficial for the patients that I work with. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about some of the some of the work that you are doing. You started something called the Kiona Foundation. Can you explain what they do? Yeah, so that is actually started in my daughter's honor. Uh, what we do is we provide financial and in-kind assistance for cancer survivors. But even more importantly, because the rates of cancer diagnoses makes it ineffective for us to just be that organization that helps to provide financial assistance. We're a holistic health organization that helps to educate you on ways that you can take a proactive approach to your health through advocacy, support services, and education so you don't go down the road of chronic, degenerative, and terminal illness. But if you do, we can educate you, support you, and give you resources to help bring your body back to homeostasis. And through our organization, since we're a 501c3, we can provide that at low to no cost to those people who qualify. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. And then you've also, you're working with, is it called the Genesis Corporation? Yes, Genesis, the Genesis, Genesis, Genesis Cooperative Incorporated. Cooperative. So what we do through Genesis is we actually help to develop new and emerging and emerging enterprises, mostly based in the agricultural industry. So uh, nutrition is the cornerstone of health. Agriculture is where it starts with nutrition. And even when you think about cannabis and hemp, that's just another agricultural commodity to us. 
So what we do is make sure that we're building a robust agricultural system in whatever place that we're located, focused on healthy fruits, vegetables, medicinal herbs, and also phytocannabinoids and nutraceuticals based off cannabis and hemp. And you, that, that, that company is, is based out of Jamaica? So we're based in the United States, it's in okay. Indiana, California, and Florida, and we're also based internationally in Jamaica. Okay. And people can come down. Now, you started, it's, it's not an institute, but something similar to an institute. People can visit you in Jamaica and go through a tutorial, correct? Absolutely and positively. So there's two paths that you can go down. We have an educational path that you can go down. It's an endogenous cannabinoid system certification. So you can come and learn all these fancy and complicated terms that we're talking about, the way that endocannabinoids and the endogenous cannabinoid system work, and actually get a certification in that. You know, whether you are, and it's open to everybody, practitioners, um, community members, you know, community health officers who Whoever you are is welcome for the program. And then we have another arm that if you're looking to address the symptoms for a specific condition, you can actually come to Jamaica, participate in our medical and wellness tourism program, have an actual regimen put together for you based all on nutrition with a firm foundation in endogenous cannabinoid system balancing, and we can help you obtain, maintain, or regain that optimal health or homeostasis in the system. Why don't you give out the, the, the website so people know where to reach out and get more information on that? So the best way to reach out would be at the Dr. Lakeisha website. So it's super easy. It's D-R-L-A-K-I-S-H-A. My name, just the way it sounds. DrLakeisha.com. Yeah, and there's links to Genesis, to the Genesis um, website and to our medical tourism programs, to our educational programs, are all found there. You've also been working with an organization or a company that's called Canamark USA, correct? And I know yes. that uh, Redman has been working with them too, right? Absolutely. And that, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, while all these people hear about CBD and CBD products and phytocannabinoid supplementation, it's really important that you get your products from a very reputable source. What Canamark USA does is it uses a QR code that stores seed to sale information, recommended dose information, batch information on all of those products so that you can guarantee that your CBD or other phytocannabinoid supplement, number one, doesn't contain anything that you don't want, like heavy metals, mycotoxins, pesticides, herbicides, those types of things, but also gives you recommendations on how to take that supplement and make it most optimal for you. And we're so happy to work with Redman because he has that same sentiment towards the real therapeutic and mindful education when it comes to phytocannabinoid supplementation. So you should really look for um, some great things coming down the line um, from Canamark USA and Redman personally, actually. And I'm so happy to work with, with that organization and with Redman. You know, you know, Doctor, it's been really crazy. I mean, I, I've been been working in and around, you know, the cannabis industry now for almost 20 years. And I remember, you know, when I stepped out back in 2000, 2001, 
met with such vehement resistance from people who right now today act like this has been their favorite quest for their whole life. We know that they lie. <laughs> you have got to be faced with just an inordinate amount of pushback from the regular medical community, are you not? Oh, absolutely and positively. And especially when I'm one of those, you know, practitioners that really shy. I don't prescribe medication ever. That is that is my personal choice. I, I work very closely with physicians who do because I think that definitely pharmaceuticals have their place and they are important. But I do get a lot of pushback because for me, I think that health is based in nutrition. And honestly, the conventional doctors aren't trained to think that way. They're trained to treat your symptoms using pharmaceuticals. So when I present this argument that, hey, maybe there's a way that we don't have to go down the pharmaceutical road if we actually give our body those constituents that are required to sustain life, those vitamins, minerals, amino acids in the appropriate doses can bring homeostasis and our body can and will repair itself. Well, you can imagine that's not a very popular opinion among no, no, most of the medical community, absolutely. not at all. <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I cannot thank you enough, Dr. Jenkins, for being a participant on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. And, you know, again, what I've been trying to do is provide just this kind of information to my listeners so that they can help navigate you know, this very, it's a tough landscape out there. I mean, because, you know, you walk into a dispensary and you might see one kind of gummy or you might see one other kind of edible. You might see something that, you know, some person who has no knowledge behind the counter is trying to push on you because he had a sales rep in the day before. And mm -hmm. I want to be able to try my best to, to give you know, the consumer, the education that they need to be able to make some good choices for themselves. So we'd love to have you back again on Let's Be Blood in a future day. And I don't want to keep taking up a lot of your time, but if you can, can spare me a little bit in the future, I'd love to be able to call you back. Is that okay? Absolutely. And I want to tell you, thank you so much, Montel, for being that person and being that voice. With the platform and the reach that you have, that's exactly what we need to reach the masses. And I have to say, at the beginning of this call, you said something that was so important to me. You said that this is available in a lot of states that have a medical or an adult use law. Thank you for using that word, adult use and not the other word, because oh, everyone should be supplementing their endogenous cannabinoid system and all cannabis or hemp use is nutritional and therapeutic. So thank you. And I would love Amen. to be back anytime. We're definitely going to give you a call. And for all of you out there, I can't say thank you enough for tuning in. Make sure you, you know, uh, write me an evaluation. If you like us, you know, send them a couple of tips. If there's somebody you want me to talk to, make sure you let me know. And I can't say enough, but thank you for tuning in. Are you dealing with best life burnout, constantly striving for more, and quite frankly, over it? Maybe you just want more joy, peace, and laughter in your life now. 
Well, then let's go. Welcome to your new favorite podcast, Hot Happy Mess, hosted by me, your girl, Zuri Hall. We are celebrating our magic in the middle of life's messes. Don't miss new episodes every Wednesday. Listen to the Hot Happy Mess podcast on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.